Good morning, church. Good to see you. If you would, go ahead and stand right now. Be ready to go with everything that God's given to us. Let's lift your voice. this church you know I love Christ before all but this church has been really amazing to me it's been fun I've been coming here for about eight months I'm very devout in my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and I've been holding off on getting baptized but now I'm ready and I'm sorry that I waited I wish I just said let's do it and got baptized 
as soon as I felt it coming to me. But we always make excuses. I wanted to wait for the right time. I had to find the perfect church and all this stuff because it has to be perfect. And it's really not about that. It's about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the biggest thing to me, what led me to do this is when I was younger, I used to be an atheist, hardcore atheist, because you think you know everything when you're younger, of course, you know, because, you know, why wouldn't you know every single thing on earth when you're only 18, 19, you know? But uh, I had children. I had my first son, Charlie, um, and when I saw him, I, it was undeniable at that point. I was like, oh, well, there's God. He's in everything. He just blessed me with the most beautiful thing ever, and ever since then, I just, I couldn't deny it, and you know, I'm stubborn. I, I fight it nonstop, but he's constantly reeled me in, and especially over the past few years, that's just, it's just been really powerful. He's completely changed everything, changed my life, the way I view people. He's made my life infinitely better, as he always does, and um, it's been incredible. And then I had my second child, and he's just been a, a little monster, <laughs> but I love him. He's been incredible, and uh, you know, and it's been just me and them, but he has blessed me with my two children that live with me, and they, I've just wanted to be a good example for them and lead the best Christian lifestyle that I can and show them how to live in Christ, with Christ, for Christ. This is Adrian. You just got to meet him in the video. He's a great guy. We've loved having him around. Some really cool stuff, and we're happy for this moment. All right? So I want you to repeat this confession of faith after me. I believe. I believe. That Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the living God. The Son of the living God. And my personal Lord and Savior. And my personal Lord and Savior. Fantastic. It's because of your confession of faith in Christ Jesus that I'm now going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. You're going to cover your nose? No? All right. Here we go. Here we go. How awesome is that? So exciting. What an awesome way to start our morning together. I'm Erin Ashcraft. I am the children's minister here. Welcome to Cap City. We are so glad you have joined us this morning. And I've got a friend who is joining me as well for our announcements this morning. This is Miss Lisa Mackey. So uh, first off, we wanted to tell you about this coming Saturday, all of you men folk in the room. There is a uh, men's breakfast coming up. They uh, join downstairs in the Family Life Center for breakfast at 7.30. You're going to get your belly full, get well fed, and then uh, come upstairs, and they engage in kind of a video lesson together and then break out into small groups. You get an opportunity to have some conversation and do some learning. So that's always a really good opportunity to make some connections and kind of get tied in with our men's fellowship. So we hope that you are able to join us for that on Saturday or them. I won't be able to join them. <laughs> so uh, where I will be, though, is at 12.15 today, we are having our first look lunch. We invite you to, um, after the 11 o'clock service, come back maybe and join us for lunch. If you are new to Cap City or maybe you've been coming here for a while, you just have questions, want to learn more, would like a tour around this labyrinth of a uh, church or learn more about our ministry programs, get to meet the staff, we invite you to join us this afternoon for lunch. And... Also, coming up for Easter, we have some exciting things coming, including our Encounters with Christ. And Lisa is going to be heading this up, and she has joined me this morning to give you a little bit more information about that. Good morning, church. I want to tell you that on March the 28th, which is Thursday, and on Good Friday, March the 29th, which is Good Friday, right before Easter, Capital City is going to be having an Encounters with Christ. What this is, is you're going to get to see individuals who reacted and interacted with Jesus the last week of his life, as well as Good Friday, the day of his crucifixion. Now, in order to bring these characters to life, we need your help. And so we, what I would like to do is I'm going to be back in the connections room after this service and after the second service, and I would love to speak with you. If you've got theatrical gifts, drama, if you have any experience, you were in a high school play, we would love for you to come and see me. Uh, you can come see me then, or you can email either Erin, she's my sidekick, whether she wants to be or not, 
she wants to be. Um, but you can email Aaron at eashcraft at capitalcitychristian.org, or you can email me. They gave me a capital city address. Woo! L. Mackey at capitalcitychristian.org. Again, March the 28th, Good Friday, March the 29th. We hope it's a, an encounter with Christ that not only they had and can express with you, but that you understand a little bit more about what Jesus has done for you and what he did that day on Good Friday. So I look forward to seeing you back there after this service or the next service. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. And if you want to go uh, learn more about that, check out capcity.info. Go to the Easter page. All of that info is there. Both of our contact information is there as well. So you can uh, learn more about that. So as we um, continue in our series, Supreme, today we're going to be talking about imitating Christ. And I was a, a public school teacher in my previous uh, profession. And a lot of times in education, especially when we are teaching and leading children, we use imitation, repetition. We use those kinds of strategies strategies a lot. In fact, there's a whole school of thought called whole brain teaching that really leans on mimicking, repetition, ensuring that students are engaged and with you. So we're going to try a little exercise today. My folks that have been in school in the past uh, 10 years or so, my teachers in the room probably going to be familiar with this. But when I say church, you're going to respond with yes. Okay. And you're going to imitate the way that I say church when you say yes. So it might sound something like church, church, all right, good, good. And so we're going to try that again. So imagine if you all were all talking and all kind of distracted. We might do something like church, church, church. Look how good you are. Very good. And so then I might do something like church at church. That's right. You all pick it up so quickly. So this is a really great engagement strategy. I know now that you are not only tuned in, but that you are really tuned in to me because so much so that you can imitate exactly the way that I just said that. So this is a really powerful teaching tool, something that we use a lot. Um, when I was getting ready to kind of thinking about what I was going to share with you all this morning, the verse of the day on version was actually Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2. And in the video lesson, they uh, pointed out the message translation, which I don't always go to, but it's always an interesting kind of um, explains things in a little bit different language. And that morning, this is what was um, showing, watch what God does and then you do it like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. And I thought, wow, God, that's so cool. That's exactly what I'm trying to talk about on Sunday morning. And so, as you know, as a parent, it's uh, few things are as humbling as when your children imitate your improper behavior, but thankfully we're not their only example. It goes on to say, mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. So I hope that we were able to um, be pushed today to try and imitate Christ. Let's stand together and continue worshiping. Jesus over you in your hurting in your sorrow ask for God to move I speak the name cause it's all that I can do in desperation I'll seek heaven and pray this for you I pray for your healing the circumstances would change I pray that the fear inside would flee in Jesus' name. I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray miracles over your life in Jesus' name. In Jesus'
worship team and some of you all in this audience, you know, as soon as we hear a song that impacts us in some way, shape, or form, it's an immediate text message or group chat, like, hey, you got to hear this. What do you think about this? And the first time I heard this next song that we're about to do, I'll start crying talking already. Uh, it hit me. And I, I knew this meant something in my life. Um, if you've heard Ann Wilson's Strong, I'm sure some of you in this room probably are the strong one in the family. You're the one trying to keep it all together and keep everybody together. Um, and behind closed doors, you probably say your prayers with a few tears and then you go on about your day. The good thing is we have a God that reigns supreme. And that God tells us to be strong in Him, not be strong in the world. So He didn't make us to break. He meant us to believe. So if you know the word, sing it with me. If not, then I'm going to pray these lyrics over your life today.
of Jesus Christ, the one who has showed us over and over again the way to live. God, I ask that when we uh, listen to your word today, we can be changed. That when we listen to your word, Father, that power that is there will want, make us want to be able to make a difference in this life. Because this, this work of Jesus Christ, this resurrection power that's within us, Father, it's not because of anything that we can do or anything that we can call upon. It's because you have chosen to use us. You've chosen to utilize what we are so that we can reach this world. So let us be an example to the people that are in our lives. Help us to be what you want us to be. Help us to look like Jesus Christ, to act like Jesus Christ. Help us to imitate him in every aspect so that in some way, Father, we can take this message to a world that is desperate and in need. Father, we pray each of these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Why don't you guys have a seat? Good morning. <clears throat> Glad you guys are here. I need to tell you where we're going to go because it's going to take a little while to get there. But here's where we're going to go. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Aaron read them earlier. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. Why? Because you're as kids. Live a life filled with love and follow the example of Christ. That's where we're going. If you don't mind, let's, let's kind of stand and let's read this verse together, okay? Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. That may not even sound like it's something you want to do, but I hope it becomes such. Our world's pretty messed up, isn't it? I know there's a whole lot of good out there, but still people are messed up. All of us are messed up. I think in part because we're confused. We don't think clearly. And because of that, we try to live out some contradictions, which you really can't do. On the one hand, we think, and we're being told, be yourself, right? Be yourself. You hear that everywhere. You do you. I'll do me. You just be the best you you can be. They're telling you stuff like, you do what's right for you. You, you choose what's right for you. Pursue your dreams. What do you want to be? What do you want to do? How do you want to live? Because to each their own, right? It's your life. So you need to be true to yourself. In fact, Allegra has a whole series of commercials. Live your greatness. Your greatness. And we think that's what authenticity is all about. And we want to be authentic, right? On the other hand, we go through life wearing masks. We say we value authenticity, but what we present to the world is airbrushed. Edited, scripted. We only want people to see what we want them to see, what makes us look good, right? Because there is inside of us this desire for approval. We're desperate for the approval of some person or some group or some hero, so we succumb to peer pressure, fitting in. We're obsessed with getting accepted. We're accept with even being celebrated. It's, we don't want to settle for tolerance. We want to be affirmed, Right? That's confusing. It's, it's a contradiction. You want to be yourself, but then you insist that others celebrate you. In other words, you can be yourself, but you don't want me to be myself unless I agree with you, right? And that's weird. You do you, but you insist on the approval of others. It's a contradiction. And what's especially amusing is that People who are obsessed with being themselves work so hard at copying others. It's kind of like the way to be yourself is to jump in on the latest fad, which is weird. So, if the cool people shave their heads and wear khakis and sweaters, right, you want to shave your head and wear khakis and sweaters. If the cool people use words like poppycock and steroids, you start saying poppycock and steroids, right? And if the cool people listen to Yo-Yo Ma and two cellos, you want to listen to Yo-Yo Ma and two cellos. And if the cool people root for the cowboys and the ducks, which cool people do, 
You want to root for the Cowboys and Ducks. Right, Perry? That's humor. In case that was confusing. You see, I tell people I don't follow fashion. I set it. The problem is it's hard to be a trendsetter if no one's following you. <laughs> oh, well. But for a lot of us, we want to be different, but fashionably different. I'll be myself by copying what's fashionable, by doing what the cool people are doing. I'll be myself by doing what other, others might celebrate or affirm or accept. I'll be myself by copying what my heroes do. Here's the problem. We pick the wrong heroes. And of course, every generation thinks their kids are worse. And they think their grandkids are worser. Right? By the way, that's a word. Did you know Shakespeare used the word worser several times? I'm trying to bring it back. Right? Every generation thinks their kids are worse and their grandkids are worser. But there's a hypocrisy there. I mean, some people are out there calling our millennials and our Gen Zers, our young adults, the me, me, me generation, the selfie generation. But they got it honestly. Did you know that they call us boomers, us boomers, us old guys, the me generation? We're the me generation. Our kids are kind of like the me, me generation. Our grandkids are like the me, me, me generation. Our kids, our grandkids, we shaved, shaped them, we, we raised them, we set them on that path. We old guys, we were like, be yourself. And our kids are like, we'll take it to the next level. And our grandkids are like, be yourself on steroids. Each generation mocking the one that follows, and yet each generation setting their kids down that path. What if that path was doomed from the start? What if we have misunderstood be yourself from the start? What if we've gotten it all wrong? Now, did you know that this compulsion in us to be ourselves is weird because we are by nature imitators? We learn by imitation. In fact, a really, really old dead guy named Aristotle he said that imitation is basically who we are and what we do. In fact, he said one of the advantages that we humans have over the lower animals is that we are really, really good at imitation. He figured out we are the most imitative creatures in the world, and in the 2,400 years since, no one has really disproved him. I ran across a fascinating article last week called Why Imitation is at the Heart of Being Human. And it asks this question, why are, why are humans dominant in this world? We're not the strongest. Is it because we're the smartest, maybe, the most in innovative, perhaps? But a lot of scientists are wondering whether or not it has to do with our ability to copy, to imitate, so we don't have to reinvent for ourselves the wheel over and over and over again. In fact, some scientists are conducting this fascinating experiment with kids and chimpanzees, right? I don't have the time to detail exactly how they did it, but it's something like this. Let's say I put some candy in a box, right? Candy in a box. And I show the chimps over here, and I show the kids over here how to get the candy. And the way you do it is you take a wand, and you have to wave it over the box three times. Then you have to take the box and pick it up and set it down twice. And after you do those things, you can actually open the box and get the candy, right? Now, the chimps will eventually dispense with the wand and dispense with lifting it up and down and just go for the candy. The kids tend to keep on waving that wand and picking up the box and setting it down before they open the box and eating the candy. Imitating. It's what we do which is why we're so good at driving cars and using iPhones and using complex tools to build complex things because we are masterful imitators. It's how babies learn to walk and talk. It's how kids learn to, to respond to criticism and to praise and what to value and how to behave. 
It's how adults master a new job, the skills necessary to do a new job. It keeps going for a lifetime. We learn by imitation. We are, by nature, imitators. The question is, who do you imitate? Who do you choose to copy, to imitate? Now, sometimes it's not your choice who you're going to imitate, right? You can't choose your parents, but you're going to imitate them especially when you're little. When you're older, have you ever said something or done something and you said, holy cow, that was my dad or that was my mom? If you haven't, you will. Like father, like son, right? Even when you're not trying, especially when you're not trying. Because, listen, this is huge. There's a principle here. Intimacy evokes shared beliefs and values. Do you believe that? Intimacy evokes shared behaviors and values. We become like those we do life with. You buy that? Doesn't matter whether you do, it's still true. So sometimes it's not your choice who you're going to imitate, but sometimes it is our choice, those we choose to imitate. The spouse you choose to do life with, they're going to, they're going to influence you. The friends you choose to hang with, You may choose a friend thinking you're going to be the influencer, but the fact is you're probably going to be equally or more influenced, right? Because intimacy evokes shared values and behaviors. Your teachers, your colleagues, they're going to shape you. Those you choose as heroes, you're going to let them shape you. But what if you choose badly? Which we do. It mortifies us parents and grandparents when our kids and grandkids choose the wrong friends. You know why? Because we know intuitively that intimacy is going to evoke shared values and behaviors. So when our kids hang with the wrong friends, when they choose the wrong heroes, they start valuing things that we don't think are valuable. They start behaving in ways that we think are offensive. A good parent cares about their kids' friends. They'd better So why is it, this is weird, why is it that so many Christian parents care about who our kids choose as friends, but they don't care equally about whether their kids spend time with God? That's crazy. I think choosing badly is part of our twisted, messed up nature. I think choosing badly is fostered and encouraged by our enemy, the one who hates God and hates anything that God loves. We are prone, we are bent to pick bad models. We think it's part of being authentic. We think it's part of being ourselves. There's something in us that is drawn to the dark, to the twisted. But that's just one problem. Here's another. Why is it that when we admire someone who's particularly gifted at something, we tend to imitate them in other things as well? Taylor Swift is a great entertainer, right? But why do we care what she wears, who she dates, or what her politics are? There's an athlete who's bigger than life, incredibly gifted. Why do we think we need to adopt his causes or her causes? They're great athletes. She's a great singer. He's a great athlete. Why do we think it's okay then to look at life their way when often their way is not God's way? That's stupid, isn't it? Why don't we choose a model who models our best? Why don't we choose a model who models what we were meant to be? Not who you want to be, but who you were meant to be. Why don't we choose a model who models our best selves? Why do we settle for puny models? Why do we settle for a model who's gifted in just one thing but terrible in so many other ways? Why do we settle for models who model just as much bad as they do good? Can't we change the paradigm? What if the authentic you, the real you, is actually Christ-like? What if to be true to yourself, what if your truest self is actually modeled after Jesus? What if you really were made in the image of God so you're the most you when you're the most like him? 
Does that make any sense to you? See, the world is telling you, your heart's telling you, Satan's telling you, be yourself. You do you. You be true to yourself. You live your greatness. And God says, ironically, I agree. Just be your real you. Be the real you that I made you to be. Don't settle. Don't settle for less. And God is all about shaping you into what you were meant to be, if you let him. But you're going to have to let him because God won't force himself on you. But why settle? I'm going to show you a path in the Bible that's going to lead you, I think, to your real you. You ready? That path starts in Genesis chapter 1. Open the Bible, page 1, page 2 if it's a really little Bible. Here it is. In the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth, right? So he creates the stars out there. He creates the earth with its water and its dry land, creates the plants, the animals, the fish, the birds. And the whole narrative slows down on day six. On day six, you know something special is happening. Verse 26, then God says, let us make human beings this time, first time, in our image to be like us. So he created us, human beings, in his own image. And to make sure that you don't miss it, he repeats it again, third time. In the image of God, he created us. Male and female, he created us. How cool is that, guys? That's who you are. That's what you are. You are the most you when you reflect the image of God. You were created to be like God, not gods. We make pathetically puny little gods. We were created to imitate God. And then, two chapters later, this is part two of the path, Adam and Eve tell God, we don't think so. I'll decide what's right for me. You do you, God, but I'll do me. It's my life. I need to be true to myself, God. It's about what I want to be, what I want to do, how I want to live, God. It's called sin. Anytime we choose against God, we become less than we were created to be. Do you understand that? Have you ever heard people say, I sin because I'm only human? Did you know because you are human, you do not have to choose sin? Anytime you sin, you become less than you were created to be. Anytime you sin, you become less than human. Do you get that? Living your greatness is doing life God's way. Doing life any other way is settling. When they sinned, when we sin, we kind of mar. We kind of disfigure the image of God in us, sometimes till it's almost unrecognizable. So we're like, that's the image of God? Really? But it's still there. God still sees it. And God has the capacity to recover it if we let him. And that's part three of the path. Part one, we were made to be like God somehow. Part two, we sin. We choose not to be like God. Part three, God works to fix what we broke. In fact, that's his dream. That's his goal. That's the Bible story. That's his plan for you. Your recreation, your renewal, your transformation, which is so cool. What grace, what love, what power. And it's crystal clear in the scriptures, guys. Let me show you. The apostle Paul put it like this. He said, whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. They can see clearly. So all of us who've had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. So God's Spirit comes inside you and tries to restore the image of God that you were made for. That's who you really are. That's the authentic you. In another place, he puts it like this. He says, put on your new nature and be renewed, renewed, as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. Like Him in His image. Be renewed. That means restored, returned back to your factory specs, right? Like him in his image. God is trying to restore his image inside of you because that's the real you, the authentic you. Now, this is powerful stuff. 
You can't do it by yourself. None of us are strong enough, smart enough, good enough to make ourselves into what God meant us to be. We're not even good enough, smart enough, strong enough to make ourselves into what we want to be, much less what He wants us to be. So God has to do the heavy lifting. And He's willing. Look at those verses again. The Lord who is the Spirit, He is the one who makes us more and more like Him as we're changed by God into His glorious image. You can't do it yourself. He does it. Or Colossians, put on your new nature and be renewed. That's passive. Be renewed by God. Something that God does to us. Because He is strong enough and smart enough and good enough to pull it off as we get to know our Creator and become like Him. But we have to cooperate, right? You have to cooperate. There's a part that you have to play. That's part four of the path. Part one, we're made to be like God somehow. Image of God. Part two, we sin. We choose not to be like God. And number three, God works to fix what we broke. Part four, you have to cooperate. You've got to let Him. God gives you the ability to choose to cooperate or not. Listen, guys, Jesus stepped into our world to show us what God is like, to show us the heart of God. But He also stepped into our world to show us what we were designed to be to give us a model. He came into our world to give us a model worth imitating, to be Christ-like, to be Christian, to be Jesus' followers. I'm not talking about wearing the kind of clothes he wore or eating the kind of food he ate. I'm talking about what he valued, the way he treated people, the way he treated God. And our part is to follow his example. We are Jesus' followers. We are Christians our parts to follow Him. I'm going to show you two great verses. Here's the Apostle Paul. Remember, there was a time when Paul hated Jesus and he hated Jesus' followers. But something changes a man when he comes face to face with Jesus. Apostle Paul said this. He says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. Imitate God in everything you do. Because you're His kids. Live a life filled with love. Follow the example of Jesus. Why? Because you were created in the image of God. You were made to be like Him. And here's another. And Paul says something that blows my mind. He says something I don't think I could ever say. He says, imitate me. I think any man who says that is audacious. The only thing that to me makes these words tolerable is what comes next. He said, imitate me as I imitate Christ, to the degree that I imitate Christ. As long as I imitate Christ, do it like me. That makes sense. If I am not living out the image of God, please do not dare imitate me. To the degree that I am Christ-like, I suppose you can, but I'd much rather you go right to the source. Be like Jesus. Be who you were meant to be. Where does that lead? goes to the end of the path. We were created in the image of God. We messed it up when we said, I decide what's right for me. You do you, God, and I'll do me. It's my life. And we marred the image of God, right? Three, God still loves us, wants to restore the image of God in us. That's what he'll do for you if you let him. So our part is to let him, to follow his example as best we can, let God do the heavy lifting. Our job is to imitate him, because that's who we were meant to be and what we were meant to do. And here's the outcome. The authentic you. This is who you are. Now listen, guys. Following Jesus will not make your life easier. It will make your life better. Do you believe that? It is not always easy to follow Jesus to do life Jesus' way, but it is always the best. Guys, God's smart. God's good. And you are never going to outthink or outgood your Creator. He's the Creator. He's the Designer. And here's what Jesus said, Son of God, and I trust Him. He says, I have come that you might have life to the fullest. Do you believe that? Here it is in the NLT. My purpose is to give you a rich, satisfying life. I want that, don't you? 
The message puts it like this. I've come that so you can have real life, eternal life, more and better life than you ever dreamed of. And that's God talking, guys. Why would you settle doing you your way when you can be the real you, the authentic God-designed you? Eighteen ninety-seven. There was an old dead guy by the name of Charles Sheldon, who published a book called *In His Steps*. For sixty years, it was the best-selling book in the country, outside the Bible, right? And I suspect that most all of you know the most famous line in the book: "What would Jesus do?" In fact, a lot of people still wear those bracelets, right? Now, Sheldon had this kind of a crazy idea that if we all would do what Jesus would do, eventually the world's going to become a better place. In fact, maybe the whole world is going to come to Jesus. It didn't work that way. It won't work that way. We can influence the world some, and we can steer some people towards Jesus, which is their very best, but this world is going to be at war with God until Jesus comes back. You understand that? Imitating Jesus will not fix the world. It will fix you. You do life Jesus' way. You do life following his example. You do life imitating Jesus. And you will get a taste of life as it was meant to be. And you will end up there. Works, guys. Have you ever done something not your way but God's way and it was hard? But when you were done, you knew it was the right thing. And it felt good. You may have even felt blessed by God. How cool is that? So what are you going to do with this stuff, guys? Do you buy it? Do you actually buy it enough that you're willing to try it? To live it out? You guys who are parents, you love your kids? You really? Do you really love your kids if you're not serious about starting them down a path towards following Jesus? And are you really serious about starting your kids down a path of Jesus following if you yourself are not on that path? Trying to follow him, imitate him, do life his way. Don't do it just for you guys. Do it for those you love. And here's what it's going to take. It's going to take a serious, selfless commitment to Jesus as Lord. Not just Savior, but Lord. It's going to be hard to follow him sometimes. So be it. It's right. Choose Jesus. And it's going to take ruthless honesty. Are you willing to admit that some of the stuff in your life is not Christ-like? That you're not imitating him? Are you willing to fess up when God's Spirit convicts you of doing something that is not Christ-like? Because God's Spirit does that. He's in this world convicting us Jesus followers too when we're not on Jesus' path. Are you willing to respond? Are you willing to listen? And it's going to require spending some quality time with Jesus, more than just an hour a week on Sunday morning. Remember, intimacy with evokes shared values and shared behaviors. If you're serious about being a Jesus follower, you're going to have to be willing to spend some quality time with God as part of the rhythm of your life. And are you willing to spend some quality time with other Jesus followers? Because none of us is smart enough or good enough or strong enough to do this thing alone. All of us start mirroring the values and habits of those we hang with because intimacy evokes shared behaviors and values. So Jesus following only works if you go down that path with other Jesus followers. Have you made a God-honoring church your home? And in that church, are you seriously connecting with your brothers and sisters in that church? And one more. Are you willing to keep on going, picking yourself and keep on going when you fail? Or are you going to quit? It's going to be hard. And you're going to fail a lot. It's going to be hard because it's counterintuitive and countercultural. Are you going to quit? There's a book on my shelf called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. A long obedience is what it takes.
what will it cost you to follow Jesus? Everything. What will you gain? More. Flip it around. What will it cost you if you don't follow Jesus? Infinitely more. And what would you gain? Nothing worth eternity. We choose Jesus, right? That's who we are. We're Jesus followers. Have you started down that path yet? Are you? If you're not yet and you want to talk about it, I'm going to sit right down here during this Lord's Supper time, which is coming next, and after the service, I'll be right down here. There's an elder praying for you right now in that prayer room in the back, in the connections room. We're going to have one or two of our staff there, and they'll be willing to talk to you, talk about making Jesus king of your life, Lord of your life. Talk about maybe choosing Capital City as your home. We'd love to talk to you. We're Jesus followers every week. Jesus, he remade a meal. He reshaped a meal. It used to be a Passover meal. And Jesus said, from now on, this bread is my body, which is broken for you. From now on, this cup is my blood, which is shed for you. And when you come to this table, you're telling God, Jesus is my Savior and my Lord. This is our recommitment to him. And in returns, he reshapes us into the image of Christ. How cool is that? That's the pathway to life, guys. Would you pray with me? Father, we cannot express how grateful we are for your love, for your grace, for Jesus. Give us the courage and the wisdom to be Jesus' followers. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Come forward. Hey guys, Chuck, Danita, and Eric. Did I get it right? Yep. Pronounce. They've been coming to Capital City for about a year. They said it's time to make it home. Is that not cool? I love this. And it's pretty easy to be a part of this church. If he's your Lord and your Savior and you want us as family, go figure. You're welcome here. And so this is the thing that binds us together. I'm going to ask you to just, once again, that profession of faith that, that makes us a, a family. I believe. I believe. I believe. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus, Jesus is, is the Christ. Christ. Son of the living God. Son, Son of the living God. God. Our Lord and my Savior. Our Lord and my Savior. Welcome to our family. Thank you,
out in this world. Let them see his light inside of you, okay? Hope to see you again next week.